Hey, I'm Rachel May, country singer-songwriter and host of Mama's Cup of Ambition, the podcast for ambitious mamas with big dreams and little kids. Or maybe your kids aren't so little anymore, but your dreams are still just as big as ever. Wherever you find yourself in your motherhood journey, if you've got ambitious goals that you're longing to achieve, and you're looking to spark inspiration, cultivate motivation, and develop community with like-minded mamas, you're in the right place. As a new mama myself, I created this show as a place for honest and empowering conversations about motherhood, entrepreneurship, and dream chasing. So grab a notebook, top off that cup of coffee, and let's turn our goals into action plans and our dreams into reality together. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number 16 of Mama's Cup of Ambition. So as this episode airs, it's the beginning of May, which means that Mother's Day is coming up. And if I'm completely honest, I used to really dread Mother's Day because every ad or email that I got promoting Mother's Day just seemed to shout, your mom is gone. (laughs) And if your mom has passed away too, then I'm preaching to the choir here. But I still miss her so damn much. I mean, even though this month it's been 20 years since she died. And next week I'll be releasing part two of my conversation with my sister, Stacey Davison, where we talked about that experience. But anyway, Mother's Day, it used to be triggering for me. And after my miscarriage, Mother's Day had a different kind of sting. But last year, a month after Waylon was born, I got to reclaim that day and celebrate my transition into motherhood, and that was a really powerful freaking thing. So today, I wanted to talk a bit about fear and the fear that I felt around the decision to become a mama and what it taught me, or what it's continuing to teach me, rather. But I just want to say first that if you're a mama and waiting and you're listening to this right now wondering if you'll ever get to reclaim this holiday too... I just want you to know I'm holding space for you and that I know that period of waiting and wondering and dreaming is so damn hard. And I see you. So I just want to put that out there. But like I said, on today's episode, I'm going to share some of the lessons that my fear of motherhood taught me. And I'm also going to pull back the curtain on some of the fears that I'm currently grappling with, because I think it's important to use this platform not only to share the lessons that I've already learned, but to also speak openly about the things that I'm still working on. Because like I've said before, I don't claim to be an expert here. (laughs) I'm a work in progress, and I consider myself to be a perpetual student who's just trying to show up and allow myself to be seen just the way I am in each season of my life. So I don't ever want to show up here and have you convinced that I somehow have it all together. I mean, I'll give myself credit where credit is due, but I'm here to learn and grow too. So I'm going to be real today with some of the limiting beliefs I held before becoming a mama and some of the limiting beliefs that I'm still struggling with. But before we get into that, let me just tell you about one of the tools that I've been using lately to help me push past my fears and limiting beliefs. It's Audible. I love to read, but in this new season of motherhood, I found it to be really hard to find the time to curl up with a good book because by the time I put Waylon down to sleep at night, I'm exhausted. And when I crack open that book that I've been wanting to read, it's a struggle for me to get more than a few pages in before I fall asleep with the book in my hands. (laughs) Can you relate? That's where Audible comes in. With Audible, you can choose from thousands of books, many read by the authors themselves, including bestsellers, autobiographies, and everything in between. 
And although I don't often promote multitasking, in this case, I'm all for it because I love that I can take Audible with me as I chase Waylon around. It allows me to listen to inspiring books that I've been trying to find the time to read, and it honestly breaks up my day in the most glorious way, and it's truly become something that I look forward to in my daily routine. Right now, I'm listening to Love Heals by Becca Stevens, and exciting side note here, Becca is actually an upcoming guest on the show. I freaking adore Becca and the beautiful work that she's doing in the world, and I cannot wait to share her phenomenal story with you soon. With Audible, you can listen across devices and pick up right where you left off, and I am obsessed with the feature that allows you to bookmark sections of the book with notes so you can easily reference back to them later. It's like a virtual highlighter, and it's freaking awesome. If you want to incorporate Audible into your daily routine, you can sign up today using the link in the show description for a free 30-day trial, and that includes a free book. There's no obligation, so you can cancel at any time. And when you use my link, it helps to fill my cup and keep the show going. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. So if you've listened to any other episodes of this show, then you may already know that I married my middle school sweetheart, Gabe, and we actually met when I was 14 and he was 16. And I talked more about our relationship in episode number six. So if you didn't hear that and you're curious to know more, you can always go back and listen to that. But we dated for just over six years before we got married. And I'm laying this timeline out to say that we weren't in any rush to start having babies after we got married. I mean, we had definitely talked about someday starting a family, but Gabe and I both knew that we weren't ready to grow our family right away. But I was, without a doubt, scared of motherhood. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a mama, but it also terrified me. And in part, that's because of an experience that I had in high school. So it was the mid to late 90s, and we were living in Prescott, Arizona. And as a high school project, I had just been trusted to be the sole caretaker for a mechanical baby. (laughs) Yes, you heard me right. A mechanical baby. So the idea was that participation in the program would help to deter teen pregnancy. And it was actually a pretty progressive program for Prescott in the 90s, now that I think about it. But basically, this little mechanical baby was my responsibility for, I think it was like a week. But I don't know, just like actual motherhood, the days kind of ran into one another. So maybe it wasn't actually a full week. I don't know. Maybe it just felt like it. Anyway, they sent us home with this little mechanical baby and all of the gear, you know, like the car seat and stuff. And then you wore this wristband and it tracked how you were responding to the baby's needs. So it tracked things like time left in the car seat and how long the baby cried before you attended to it. I mean, it even simulated (laughs) diaper changes. And those were definitely not as lifelike as the rest of the features. (laughs) I mean, but it had the capability to see if you were letting the baby just sit in a dirty diaper. So that's still pretty impressive. So at first, I was pretty excited for this project, and I actually have a picture of Gabe and I with this little baby, and I'll share that on Instagram for your viewing pleasure. (laughs) But even in the picture, we look so blissfully unaware of what's to come. Well, actually, I do. Gabe looks completely freaked out, if we're honest. But at first, everything was going fine, and I was crushing it. I mean, I was on top of the diaper changes and the feedings, and I felt like I was rocking it. And then came nighttime. And I'm telling you, now that I've experienced the real thing, that infant simulation was actually really accurate and eye-opening. 
And I mean, my mom must have been having flashbacks to when my sister and I were babies because she was up almost all night with me patiently trying to help me soothe this little mechanical baby. And in fact, as I say that, it's making me a little emotional because I'm realizing that that's as close as I ever got to knowing what it might have been like to have my mama's support postpartum. I mean, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse for years and years. So how many babies did she help to usher into the world, you know? And how many mamas did she support through pregnancy, both in those years as a labor and delivery nurse, but also as a nurse practitioner supporting families through the Prescott Health Department? I mean, sometimes I'm really jealous of all of those mamas that they got to have my mom's support and that she died before I got to experience that myself through my own pregnancy. Anyway. I'm getting off topic here. I know she's still around and I feel her presence all the time, but damn, that still hurts. Anyway, so the next day I had to go to work, but guess who didn't have childcare? Yep, teenage me. (laughs) Thankfully, the owner of the little Mexican restaurant where I worked was a good sport and she agreed to let me bring my school project baby to work with me. (laughs) But it was my first job and I was pretty good at it, but I'll never forget trying to take orders and to serve up chips and salsa with that crying mechanical baby. And I definitely won't ever forget how one of the managers, his name was Ernie, yelled at me to shut that baby up and how I broke down in tears and snapped back at him that I was doing the best I could. (laughs) So all that to say, things got messy and emotional. And again, just like actual motherhood. (laughs) Good lesson there. But in the end, when it was all said and done, I got a passing grade on the project, but I also got a really deep-seated fear of motherhood and my ability to handle it, which at the time was great birth control, and it kept Gabe and I from appearing on a season of MTV's Teen Mom. (laughs) But that fear stayed with me for a really long time, and it made me question whether or not I was cut out for motherhood. And as I got older and I started to pursue my career in music, I heard again and again that if I wanted to build a meaningful career, that it would be best to put off having kids. And I was told that if I chose to start a family before firmly establishing myself as an artist, that it would basically be the kiss of death for my career. So in my mind, I just kind of started to build up these protective walls that could deflect any questions about whether or not Gabe and I plan to have kids, you know? And I really leaned on these self-deprecating phrases like, oh, I'm not good with kids, or... I have a band, so I feel like I already have kids. (laughs) And let's be honest, sometimes that one actually felt really true, but that's a whole other story. But the thing is, I knew I was denying something my soul was longing for out of fear. And then I started to get older and the conversations with my doctor about my advancing maternal age started to come into play. And I started to feel like now I was running out of time. And it was like I just moved from one fear to another, you know, like I had spent so much time afraid to make the jump into motherhood. And then all of a sudden I was afraid that I was missing my chance. And obviously that fear was laid to rest the day Waylon was born. But sometimes I wish I hadn't been so afraid to grow our family. And I really wish that we had jumped in sooner. But then again, if we had, maybe we wouldn't have had Waylon. And honestly, becoming his mama has been my greatest blessing. So, you know, things happen in divine timing. But if I'm honest, having a baby at 38 years old has also been kind of lonely because so many of my friends have kids that are already so much older and they're so far removed from the season that I'm currently walking through at 39. And then add in the pandemic to that equation. And yeah, 
it's been really lonely and isolating at times. And I'm not complaining, but I think it's worth admitting that these real emotions have been riding sidecar on this otherwise joyful journey. And something that my sister said to me early on in my postpartum really stuck with me. She told me to give myself grace and to recognize that it's totally normal to not always feel 100% blissed out on motherhood. And that admitting that doesn't mean that I love my baby any less or that I'm a bad mama. It just means that I'm having a human experience and real emotions. I've thought about that a lot. And actually, speaking of my sister, I do feel very fortunate that she and I have had kids so close together. You know, like I said before, it really is divine timing. And for as lonely and challenging as this new season of motherhood has been on occasion, it's also been one of the most incredible experiences of my life, and it's totally ignited a part of my soul in the most magnificent way. And our desire to grow our family again with a second child is still just as strong as ever. But even so, guess what's showing up as Gabe and I begin exploring and planning for that next chapter? Fear. I mean, fear of secondary infertility has been creeping into my subconscious, especially since I'm getting older. Fear around the unknowns of having more than one child. Fear of how Waylon will respond. Fear of wondering whether or not postpartum anxiety will show up the second time around. I mean, so many freaking fears. And so I've been playing a lot of New Track City and guarding my energy. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about here, just go listen to episode number three. <laughs> But even with all of those fears swirling around in my head, my heart is so undeniably grounded in the knowing that we aren't done growing this little family of ours. And that knowing is so much more compelling than my fear. And the same is true for my creative endeavors right now, too. I have so many dreams and goals and visions that I'm casting right now for the life that I'm aspiring to create. And as a result, I'm making some pretty big moves in my business, and it is freaking terrifying. (laughs) And a good example of this is that right now, I'm learning to invest in myself, which has always been a struggle for me and a source of a lot of fear. But I'm starting to realize that I can't pour into others if I'm afraid to pour into myself. And that mindset of shortchanging myself has only kept me stuck and overwhelmed over the years. And that's not where I want to stay. So I'm working on changing that way of thinking, but it's still so scary. And I think the distinction I'm wanting to make here is that I'm starting to realize that the fear doesn't actually ever go away, but we can learn how to engage with our fear differently so that it isn't in the driver's seat. And in one of my all-time favorite passages from one of my favorite books, Big Magic by Liz Gilbert, she outlined her welcoming speech for fear and described how she delivers it before embarking on any new project or big adventure. And I think it's so relevant here, so I'm going to share it and I'm going to read that passage for you. So it reads, Dearest Fear, Creativity and I are about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. I acknowledge that you believe you have an important job to do in my life and that you take your job seriously. Apparently, your job is to induce complete panic whenever I'm about to do anything interesting. And may I say, you are superb at your job. So by all means, keep doing your job if you feel you must. But I will also be doing my job on this road trip, which is to work hard and to stay focused. And creativity will be doing its job, which is to remain stimulating and inspiring. There's plenty of room in this vehicle for all of us, so make yourself at home. But understand this, creativity and I are the only ones who will be making any decisions along the way. I recognize and respect that you are part of this family, and so I will never exclude you from our activities. But still, your suggestions will never be followed. 
You're allowed to have a seat and you're allowed to have a voice, but you are not allowed to have a vote. You're not allowed to touch the roadmaps. You're not allowed to suggest detours. You're not allowed to fiddle with the temperature. Dude, you're not even allowed to touch the radio. But above all else, my dear old familiar friend, you are absolutely forbidden to drive. Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. Ah, it's so good. I love Liz Gilbert so much, but that passage especially just always strikes a chord with my soul. I mean, isn't that incredible? I love the idea of acknowledging our fear and honoring that actually we can coexist with it and still step forward into our heart's biggest desires. So I've also been recently rereading Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo, and I know I've mentioned her before because I freaking love her work. And as an alum of her B-School, I've learned so much from her over the years. So I highlighted the crap out of the chapter titled How to Deal with the Fear of Anything. And Marie's take on fear is that it's actually a GPS for where your soul most wants to go. And when you feel afraid that actually maybe it's a positive signal that something is really important to you and that should be paid attention to. And maybe fear is really there to be your friend and to fuel you forward in the direction of things that you really want. And I swear I'm going to wrap this episode up here in a minute, but I just wanted to share this passage from her book with you real quick where she writes, fear is not the enemy. Waiting to stop feeling afraid is. Spending too much time trying to defeat or eliminate your fear will only keep you stuck. Fear will be your companion as long as you are alive. It doesn't matter how much experience, success, or fame you acquire. You will always feel fear. So don't get seduced into thinking some magical day will arrive when you no longer feel afraid and only then will be ready to act. That's not how it works. Action is the antidote to fear. Action metabolizes it. The trick is to allow yourself to feel fear while you take action. Make the call, even if your pits are sweating. Speak up, even if your voice shakes. Ride the scooter, even if it makes your body tremble. Raise your rates, even if it makes you want to hurl. Send that pitch deck, even if your tummy is in knots. Have the difficult conversation, even if it makes you squirm. Doing the thing is far easier than the terror we inflict upon ourselves by stressing over it in our heads. The fastest way out of fear is through it. Uh, Okay, one more time for the folks in the back. The fastest way out of fear is through it. I don't know about you, but I needed that reminder. I think I'm going to write that on a post-it and hang it up above my desk. So that seems to me like the perfect mic drop to wrap this thing up. (laughs) But if you want to continue the conversation with me, I would really love to connect with you. So come find me over on Instagram. You can find me by searching Rachel May Music. That's May with an E. And if you want to connect with the show, just search for Mama's Cup of Ambition. Okay, so until next time, may your dreams be ambitious. May your coffee be strong. And may we all find the courage to face our fears and move forward in the direction of our dreams. I'll talk to you soon. 